Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Guys, what is going on? This is Brian Sumner. I know it is early, but wherever you are, it may not be. Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. What are we? Almost 100 episodes. We had a crazy episode on the supernatural. Almost 50,000 views. I mean, thank you for tuning in here in the Word of God. And I've intentionally got my brother um, in the Lord on today because he has had an amazing life. We all have, you know, no matter how basic or plain or simple people's lives they think they are without Christ, it is crazy that anyone comes to faith. So to intro him just a bit, my brother, Danny, he grew up in the juvenile delinquent system around a very violent life. And he talks about stabbings and times of suicide attempts, a lot of interactions with the police. He probably shouldn't be sitting here today based on the background of where he's come from. But to me, he's just been a brother in the Lord, someone that I've traveled up north a bunch of times to do ministry with, to connect with. We have a lot of the same brothers and sisters who love each other in the faith. Even former President Barack Obama gave Danny a champion for change recommendation saying this man is changing his culture. And for me personally, when I interact with him, he is normally out with the youth and engaging and loving and speaking life. He's someone that I am thankful to know and that I see doing the work of the Lord. So how are you doing, my brother? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> glad to see you. It's been a while, you know, yep. especially with COVID and everything that's going on. But yep. I'm glad we have technology where we can connect. And, <laughs> and for those you know. who are listening, you know, I just got a text probably a week or so ago from you and said, hey, bro, I just put out a book. Here's what I'm aiming to do. I know you've got your podcast. You want to connect and talk about it. And I just thought, yes, amazing. And you've got basically a life's work in crazy encounters and crazy situations interacting with all kinds of youth. And I mean, and you were a pastor for many years. I mean, you're part of a lot of congregations and overseeing and all the rest, but what is going on in your life right now? Why are we connecting today? Well, I just wrote a book. It's called post-traumatic quest. You know, it's mm -hmm. my quest to transcend trauma, you yep. know, turn my pain to purpose and find peace. You know, I mm -hmm. think it's a journey for all of us, right? Our life, yep. everyone has different experiences, right? And, you know, the reason I wrote this book is there are a lot of people that deal with things that mm -hmm. can traumatize them in their life, right? Yeah. And there's a the coping mechanisms, right? You, you were, you were, you know, before Christ, you know, we we mm -hmm. all had our life, right? Mine was with drugs, alcohol, and just being out there and fighting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> the reason you know I wrote this book is because I really wanted to let people know that you know you don't have to cope with things that way. You can you can mm -hmm. work through these things. But the other thing is, you know. Um, yeah, I, I'm an ordained pastor, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, the Bible says, therefore, all who are in Christ are a new creation. All things have passed and behold, all things have come, become new. Man. And, you know, when I, when I, when I got saved, I was radically transformed. You know, it was a, mm. a, an amazing experience. Like I'm even getting emotional, emotional thinking about it right now because, <laughs> you know, God, you know I, I was like, I was like, you me like god like you know isn't that crazy you even know? danny <laughs> yeah even danny and and you know like um you know i used to you know the church i was at i would i would say i, I started i was the assistant groundskeeper and i would blow leaves with worship music on and be like hey like i'm so happy just to be here mm. but you know as i moved um on also you know 
um, it's kind of not moved on, but as I, mm-hmm. as I grew in my, my, my faith and yep. I started to become a leader in the church, you know, um, you know, it wasn't easy to talk about a lot of stuff, right? I still mm-hmm. had layers of trauma that I was dealing with, but who mm. do you talk to about this stuff? Yeah. yeah. Because so you're going from leaf blower to, and, and, and Danny's not saying moving up, like we become greater than now, but listen, yeah. as God uses you and you are faithful with the little God gives yeah. you increase. So here's you just thinking, I'm not in juvie. I'm not in prison. We'll unpack some of that in a moment. Yeah. You know, and I'll, and I'll confess I've never used a leaf blower until <laughs> about two months ago. And I yeah. went and got this big green thing. It was cheap from home Depot. And yeah. I've been outside almost every day blowing all the leaves. Like I got loving it. It's therapeutic, but yeah. there's you on the grounds, God restored you blowing leaves and God begins to use you in different ways. But I do want to say something you just said that's relevant. And I know Pastor Danny's going to unpack a lot of this, but you talked about trauma and stress and just a lot of what we carry. This is what your book's going to focus on. I had a gentleman come over the other day, never met him, give me a quote for the roof. I mean, 6'2 guy, you know, good looking guy. And I I don't know what it was. He, He just said, you know what nationality do you think I am? He was Israeli. He's an mm-hmm. Israeli guy. He's in America. He's on the roof. Mm-hmm. So I start talking about, you know, my savior, the Jewish carpenter. I start relating. But when yeah. we get outside after he's kind of quoted me the roof, yeah. and his name was Joseph, I want to just reference what you said about trauma. I just said to him, hey, man, where are you in the faith coming from Israel? You came over to America. What faith? Where are you? And you know what he said? And it was funny. I was recalling it to someone last night. And the first thing he said was, you know what? Three, my dad passed away. So mm-hmm. I asked the guy a question about his faith and his first response wasn't, Hey, I still hold to the Jewish faith. Hey, I'm an atheist. It was, you know, my dad passed away at three and he began to unpack right here on my porch. You know, when he passed away, he wasn't able to raise me up or train me or give me the teachings. And I'm just saying just for you, that's trauma. That's a kid wow. at three. He's yeah. telling me this is a first reference. So I'm only saying that. So many people that are listening we all carry trauma in some ways, whether we've kind of came out of it and we can yeah. navigate it better, whatever's going on. But so anyway, there you are, you're blowing leaves. You've carried yeah. this trauma. You're becoming a pastor and you didn't feel like you could share a lot of your past because of the standard yeah. you were meant to live or because now we're Christian or what? Yeah. I just felt like, you know, what, like I had to live by a higher standard and, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it was difficult for me because I'd be at home and crying. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I, you know, because I was dealing with things, you know, I have a blended family, have five beautiful children, you know, mm. three adults and two young ones. And, you know, um, it was wow. so difficult to like, I mean, the, the young ones weren't born yet. Right. It was just the older ones and just having a blended family and, mm. and working through things. I got married really quick and, you know, we, we were, we're celebrating our, our, our 16th year anniversary this this summer and you know just very and just for those listening i did see pastor danny's wife helping him set up the zoom <laughs> today and yeah. a redhead who left who isn't on there if you're on youtube but yes you guys are partners in crime for the lord yeah. amen congratulations 16 years so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so you know it's it's a difficult thing that i couldn't talk about that brought a lot of pain you know and i think mm. we we don't talk about our experiences and i think we need to be be able to be more open with each other right from mm-hmm. from the past even when i was like you know as you were mentioning that that the the, the gentleman that was helping you fix something at your house yeah. you know, like, there's things from back then that, that pop up there's things that are painful right i remember yeah. when my parents got divorced right you know like mm. i was so mad at my mom right 
Mm. I was so mad at my mom because like she was throwing my dad's stuff out the house. I didn't know my dad had committed adultery that he was, mm. you know, he was with another woman. She's screaming at him. And I, and I, and I remember I felt this resentment, like, why are you kicking my dad out? You know, mm. and, and, you and my dad, you were, you were I was young. I, I don't know. I was probably, you know, I mean, I mean, four years old, five. Wow. And, and, and there's uh, right now I'm blinking and I see, you know, this house, you know, mm. in San Jose, you know, and my mom like angry and my dad leaving, you know, and it's just like, it, you know, my, my dad, you know, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, a good relationship when I was young with my dad. Yeah. You know, he was, he was in and out of prison. He was dealing drugs and, you know, um, partying a lot and, you know, and I, and I, I really wanted him. And I know a lot of, a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of kids really like, you know, I need my dad, you know, you, and, and you're meant to in a perfect world. We need that. But, but, but you're talking about half the population. Yeah. Who I mean, you know, I, I, I heard a pastor friend recently who talked about when he went to a part of Africa where one of the dads that had so many kids that one of the things that was known in the village was that when the dad would come home, he would walk to the village and a lot of the kids that he had, he'd known this guy who was now a Christian. But when he was a kid, he'd say, I'd run to the airport because I'd know my dad was coming home. Yeah. And when he'd get to the airport, he'd walk home and I would walk next to him just wanting him to acknowledge me. And it wouldn't. And the guy said, I, for whatever reason, that culture, you don't. The guy was like an outcast, so he would never acknowledge his kid not to start the relationship. And that, can you imagine that? Walking, yeah. you know, however many miles, and here's this guy, and you just want yeah. him to affirm you. So yeah. there's you, you're at four, you have no clue what's going on. That's many people who are listening who still look back. As you know, you know, I've been divorced, remarried to the same woman. So my kids don't really get the feeling of that now. Yeah. But for you, you're coming into the world, you're four, you're resenting your mom, his stuff's going flying, but you can see in your head, yeah. you still have this emotion of this image that you've seen then, right? So how did that affect you? Yeah, it just like felt like abandonment, you know, I felt like abandoned. And then, you know, we had to move out of our house back to my my grandparents' house. They were really our great grandparents. And, yeah. you know, that's where, you know, I, I got most of, I learned most about like faith, you know, my grandma would pray, you know, it was you know, we'd have like the statues, the saints, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and there's some scripture and, you know, grandma would, you know, always, you know, talk about God and how she's praying for us. But at the mm. same time, like, Hey, you better behave me whole God's going to punish you. You know what I mean? So I that. <laughs> but it was in love and it was family and, and you know, and yeah. she was praying to the Lord. That's where yeah. like, she's probably been raised up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, mm. it, it, both of my grandmothers, you know, had faith and, you know, they both, yeah. prayed. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're such a, a foundational part of my life, you know, but mm. I mean, I went there and, you know, um, you know, I felt a little bit of instability, you know, and then my mom, you know, she was working and then she, she was still a young mom, you know, in her twenties, you know, she, mm. she wanted to go out and, you know, and I felt like I didn't want her to leave because I felt abandoned. I remember mm. she was trying to put me to bed. I would hold on to her arm, you know, and I would be like, mom, just stay, please. Mm. And I would, I would see myself, you know, like at the discotheque with my mom, you know, and picture myself, you know, as a little kid, you know, and then she'd wow. be gone and cry, you know, and, and so it just went on. So I felt like, you know, um, I had, you know, I would throw tantrums and do whatever I mm -hmm. can to get their attention, you know. And so what would happen was, um, you know, like as I, as I, as I grew up, you know, like I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't like the, the, you know, 
academically the, the smartest kid, right? And I had a lot of I wasn't either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's difficult, right? It, you know, for me it was kind of difficult to understand. And mm. I always wanted help. And so, you know, the we lived there, then, you know, we we moved and my mom ended up, you know, marrying some man and uh um he he's he's my brother's dad. He he passed mm. he gave his life to the Lord before he passed. But Amen. you know at the time he was a drug dealer, you know, and he was I didn't know. We just yeah. moved from from the the lower you know socio income part of town yeah into like a nicer area right we start we have cars we have toys we have all this stuff I have no yeah. idea you know I don't know how he's making his money but he's got <laughs> money yeah yeah and so what happens is you know <laughs> yeah we're this little kids like you know but I'm still this little kid that wants love and attention and an know. affection from a male figure yeah. because we're, we're men just the yeah. way it is yeah yeah and I wanted that and you know but he was abusive to my mom. You know, and I, I, um, I remember her, um, mm -hmm. with a black eye, you know, and I remember like she she broke the windows in his car and I felt like helpless, you know, and I remember one time, you know, because he, he would do drugs, you know, and he would get high and it was, it was uh, angel mm -hmm. death, PCP, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember one time, like he was yelling at my brother, I'm in third grade. I'm like, what, maybe eight years old. Right. And he's telling my brother, he's got a meat cleaver. Right. And my brother. Yeah. Like, you know, there and, and my, you know, my, he's telling my brother, chop my arm off, chop my arm off. And I remember my mom screaming and my brother, my brother has this, you know, I think my brother hit him with some sort of object. Right. And, and, and my mom's, I felt so helpless. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm the third grader. I'm eight years old wow. and we're running out of the house. And there's these instances like that, that are in my mind, mm -hmm. you know, and, and later on, you know, our house got raided. And um, while this guy was part of the family, still, yeah, yeah, it was still that that same is mm. you no know, situation. You know, the the house got raided, and I remember like like federal agents came into our house, guns drawn. You know, get on the floor. They have they slam my mom on the floor. They slam you know him. Well, he tried to take off running in his underwear. Right, he's running out the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, and they, wasn't a very good runner then. Yeah, yeah no, they caught him pretty quick and got back. Angel and, dust can do miracles for the uh, feet, though. I hear they keep going until they pretty much drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're saying, I mean, if I'm listening to this and we're sitting there talking on a bus or something, I'm just like, okay, man, this guy has faced a lot of stuff. Yeah. So here's the thing that's crazy about trauma, right? And you probably know better than me. Now at four, you're already holding on to your mom. Like, is, is she going to be out of my life too? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like your mom was fighting to do what's best for you, but your memories are her throwing stuff out the window of your dad's and yeah. now her getting a black eye and now her having to defend herself and fighting with this guy. And federal agents and guns. I mean, what kid wants to experience that? So did you notice you acting? Were you able to focus on school? Could you interact with people normally? Or were you just off? You were just set well, off? Well, you know, I, I mean, I normalized everything. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I, I I would get in trouble at school. You know, back then they were still paddling. I got paddled all the time. <laughs> you know, a lot. I mean, in third grade at that same home, I knew I got paddled once. Third grader, the second time I knew I was going to get paddled, I took off to the field. So I was already cutting school, you know. Mm. But, you know, the, the the terrifying part about that story, you know, you know, that I think about was, you know, this was like a night, like a beautiful nightmare. You know what I mean? We had all this stuff. We had a nice home and it was like some stability. There was a, you know, there was a couple in the home, my little brother, you mm. know, and, 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 and then yet there was all this, this violence and domestic violence and anger. And, you know, mm. that moment that ended everything. Right. I remember like I was sitting there, my mom's on the floor. There's, there's gun drawn guns drawn at them. They brought Ernest back in, 
they put them down. They, uh, I, I was like scared. We're sitting there for hours. I'm, I'm getting ready to pick up like a toy that I dropped behind and I went to get it. And one of the officers pulls a gun on me and says, mind you, I'm, I'm in third grade. Wow. Put your hands up. Do not go back there. I'm terrified. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm frozen in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you know, and this is a little kid and, and you, like you said earlier, Brian, like, you yeah. know, this, this is this, a lot of people experience traumatic situations Yeah, and we try to normalize these things, but they're yeah. not normal. No, and you're trying to lay a foundation now, and you've already seen, okay, there's federal agents out there. And here, and here's the sad thing. Undoubtedly, this gentleman has probably had these experiences in his own life, yeah. or undoubtedly, you know, your own mother has experienced some kind of chaos like this. I have side to the family where it's the same way. They're always in these cycles. And as much as you want to put the blame, you have to be able to put the blame and say, this is why I feel this way. But it is this generational gen, you know, you hear it with alcoholism, you hear it with drug abuse, you hear it with physical violence, but mm-hmm. it leaves an emotional strain. And I know we're going to jump into God's word and unpack stuff down the line, but I hope that those listening say, guys, if you are living from the place of everything in my life should be, like if you're a perfectionist, I can only imagine life is even harder mm-hmm. because you're waking up each day and you're canceling yourself today because of what's happened in the past. Or one of the good things about you, Pastor Danny, is that you've excelled in, I might not have it all together because of where I came from, like none of us do, but I do know who God's made me to be yeah. from that moment in the church. He has led you. So for those listening, we're going to get to a place of hope or we're going to hear amazing things about right. a book. So so now you're eight, nine, whatever's going on. And, and Does this guy get arrested and get put away or what? He, yeah, he gets arrested that day, gets put away. And, and just, I want to go back to what you mentioned about school yeah. real quick, right? So imagine me trying to focus on school when there's domestic violence, there's drug, you know, um, these these outbursts yeah. of, of anger and, and, and yelling and my mm. brother's running through the rocks and she, trying to, you know, help us yeah. my mom get out of the house and, 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 and um, you know, police coming into our home and I'm trying to be a student. Yeah. You're trying to crayon within the lines or you're trying to return homework or you're doing whatever you're doing. And, and, it's, and it's not even what you're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, and sometimes I'm just scribbling, you know, that's a, probably a way that I was trying to cope with it, you know, or yeah. I was acting out because I'm like, this is terrifying. Yep. You know, you know, cause we're, you know, we, there, there might be people that are educators watching this podcast or, mm. or, or counselors and, or things like that. And there was like layers, you know what I mean? Of, yeah. Of things. I already had the abandonment issues. I already had, you know, um, um, like I was, I, I would throw tantrums. That was kind of my coping mechanism to get yeah. attention. You know what I mean? Because then you get a response. Someone comes and holds you. You feel loved. It's normal. Yeah. But so then when you're in school and a kid starts picking a fight or making fun, are you fight or flight? Do you just go, yeah. oh, oh, I'm, I'm all in? Or do you just, yeah. like, so, cause, cause it began to get for you where you acted out in your own way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got into a few fights when I was younger, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I, I had this mentality, like, you know, whatever, but I, I got bullied a lot when I was younger, but you know, I was, I think I was in sixth grade at a school here mm. in San Jose, Madison and, and, and the people that are from San Jose, I'll know this area. It's, there's an overpass right yeah. by the 680 in San Jose. And so, um, mm. and the skaters are, the skaters are no skaters will know it as red park. It's near that area. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I'm there and, and this kid's like, this kid's beating people up a lot, you know, and my brother had to protect me a lot. My brother, even though like, you know, he used to, my brother would, you know, beat me down a lot. And you yeah. know, my brother was just on a side note, on top of the stuff with my, my mom and dad, my brother, 
You know, he would mm. do stuff to me. He would lock me in the closet and laugh. And I was claustrophobic, put oh, blanket no. over my head. You can't breathe. Or if I was swimming, he wouldn't let me go to the corner. And, you know, to him, he thought it was funny, but to me, it was traumatizing. Right. Yeah. My brother can do that, but he didn't want anybody else to do that to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember one day. <laughs> Cause he's your brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I got in this fight, you know, and I was up there and I was scared. Right. And I, I threw a punch and I just hit the guy and the guy, you know, I can tell he was shocked. And then I threw another punch and another punch and I can, and I can hear people around me like, yeah. 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 It's something right. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. That, yeah, that's like, crazy. Whoa. So people just wanted to see a fight. I mean, in this day and age, you would have had their iPhones out. Now yeah. you're getting almost celebrated because they just want to see some entertainment. This is like free amateur UFC in the park <laughs> and little Danny Sanchez is here. And yeah. So what I'm hearing, keep throwing like, punches? I'm accepted. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing huh. validation. I'm hearing love. I'm hearing all these. I'm like swelling up, right? And I can. Mm. I looked at my brother when I when I, I wouldn't stop hitting this guy, and I ended up, you know, yeah, I ended up winning the fight, you know. And I'm not trying to brag, you know. I've I've been in hundreds of fights. I'd be yeah. honest with you, win or lose, right? And yeah. you know, but because this set off like a chain reaction, like, hey, this is something that I can do. Yeah, bringing me some like you know, some respect and love, you know, because yeah. other, other than that, you know, like it was, it was difficult, you know, and this is, mm. this is just, you know, sixth grade. What are you like? I'm like 12 yeah. years old. That's when know? I started getting into fights because you defend yourself. And it's like yeah. that Bruce Lee film. I talk about Bruce so much where you yeah. get to the end and you finish the fight. So it's like completing a level in a video game and you're yeah. young enough where it isn't really hurting because your fists aren't even really formed. But how does that take you into a life of, maybe crime or just chaos, because it's true. A lot of these kids get left on the side, like you or your brother have it gotten too extreme. The system doesn't really know what to do with you unless you yeah. find that right kind of teacher, pastoral figure. Mm -hmm. So now your family becomes gangs. And many of the men who are in prison who don't have a father, their family are a bunch of like-minded men yeah. in the prison system. So yeah. how does that all transition? You won this fight. You're yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and around that same time, like I, I, I didn't want to drink before I was with my cousin. Um, and you know, we had, I, you know, we were in school and they, they were drinking, you know, back then they, they were called wine coolers. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to drink. I remember we were probably like sixth, seventh grade, just things kind of blurred a little bit, but mm. you know, and I remember I didn't want to drink that day and they were acting so silly and stuff like that. But I remember the day I did drink and, and, you know, it blew my mind. I'm like, wait, I don't feel the pain anymore. Mm. I don't feel the pain and like the hurt of feeling alone and mm. the loss. And I remember like I drank, you know, I was a, a kid and I drank a 40 ounce to my head and I just passed out. And you're and how I, old? And, you said 12 or something? I, I was about 12 years old. Yeah. And I had tinkered with it before, but this time I really got drunk or I mm. passed out. My brother, like, you know, those, those old, back then it was those old, um, um, merry-go-round. What do they call it? Like, merry yeah. Merry-go-round. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother put me on there. They spun me and they came back and I was still passed out there. They told me like they were laughing at me, you know, oh my but you God. know what? I, I felt like it empowered me like, wait. And then if I fight, I don't feel pain. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't feel. Yeah. Pain. Well, cause and, you're also you know, getting your anger out and your frustration out. Yeah, and that's yeah. wow. And it was a way to like make an excuse. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, Oh, I was drunk, you know, but like, I didn't, you know, that was probably later, but like, I didn't understand. I was like, well, like there's a lot of hurt that I'm not dealing with. So mm. I began to cope with it, with that, you know, and I think a lot of young people that I'm working with are coping with it through 
you know, alcohol or drugs and, you know, drugs became a part of my life. But, you know, mm-hmm. I started hanging around and, 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 you know, like, you know, some of the friends that I hung around, they didn't have dads either. If they did, you know, they were disconnected. And so we just kind of did our own thing. Right. And we were and you related there. right away. Cause you yeah. just know, Oh, my dad's out of the picture. You know, it's funny. You would know this because you're, I'm 41. How old are you now? You're I'm 48. Okay, so, you know, I was telling, because my wife, it's funny, you know, she was like this straight edge kid, listening to certain kinds of music, all the rest. I was never like a rap hip hop guy, but even like because of, you know, Andrew Reynolds, Jim Greco, the guys I live with, when Wu-Tang and Tupac and all this stuff came into skating, they were always about getting stoned and smoking blunts and whatever. I never did that, you know, I might have tried once or twice, but listening to the music, I was literally, I seen a Wu-Tang thing come up the other day and it you know, great, amazing. I mean, as rappers, you know, I'm not affirming yeah. what they believe and push, but I watched part of this documentary and literally what they said is, and I, and I do it for this reason. I want to hear how did these, they're gifted individuals, but they were, most of them didn't have dads. Most of them grew up in the projects. They became a click early on. They were a crew of men. They celebrated their victories because there was a lot of defeats in their life. And they were talking about if you get out of the project. So I'm saying that this is where you are. You're throwing punches. You're connecting with people. You've yeah. got, you, I mean, you're just survival of the fittest at this stage, yeah. right? So you're this young yeah. man. Now you're drinking. Okay. And how does this begin to take force? Because now puberty hits, adrenaline hits. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was like, we started, you know, doing like petty crimes, you know, like, you know, just, stealing in stores and, 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 you know, some of my mm. friends started doing burglaries and, you know, I was with some friends once and, you know, there was an older kid, you know, he was, I mean, he wasn't a kid, he was 18, but, you know, we were still very young, right. 13, mm. 14 years old, I think. And um, he, we, we were driving around and we were like, he was in a purse snatch. Right. So he went out, grabbed a purse, you know, we went back, we laughed. I think there was like $20 in the purse, whatever. We're like all happy, right? Like laughing, you know, we didn't think anything of it, you know, mm. and like we get to my friend's house. We used his mom's van. Oh so my God. Somebody got our license plates, right? So him and we're, 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 we're taking the, the recycles out, right? And we're surrounded by police, right? This is my first. Um, because of mom's yeah. van? Yeah, because they found, yeah, they, 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 the license plates was there, right? So we, we get out, you know, and, uh, there's a I see that I I still remember right now the silhouette of a lady I could see her pointing at me right and she said it was me and I'm like what the heck you know I was I mean of course I would probably be an accomplice because I was in the car but I didn't do it but she said it was me and that was the first time I went to juvenile hall but didn't your friend say no it was me oh he left the one one there's three of us right so the one one of them one of them the one they you know actually did it I heard the back door slam and he jumped the fence. He left. The two of us got arrested and we went to juvenile hall. And that's kind and, of the code. If you get caught, you don't rat yeah, out. You, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so, so I went to juvenile hall and I remember it was the most terrifying thing. Remember I have claustrophobia, right? Because of, because of my brother locking me in the closet and because of these things, right? Wow. So I'm in juvenile hall. They put me in this room and they locked the door. I'm screaming, let me out of here. Let me out of here. Right. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Let me out of here. <laughs> oh. You know? And it was, it was crazy. They brought me out. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm breathing heavily. Right. And I said, please, can you please just handcuff me to a bed? I cannot be in that room, please. And I remember like how terrified it was. I'm this little boy and I probably weighed about 85 pounds. Mm. I weighed, you know, I, I was, I was tall and skinny. Um, and, and, you know, and, and they put me back in there and I had to deal with it all night. Mm. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that, and, and, you know, and I had to adapt to that life, right? Because immediately in there, again, it's back to survival of the fittest, right? And with kids, there's no, there's no whole spar. They don't there's know what grace is. is. They don't know what mercy is. I mean, I remember just yeah. going to school and mo- most of the fights I got in was some people would be saying stuff because his older brother said stuff because yeah. his dad said stuff. And so you're saying the kids would be the ones who would lock you in, or even at times the leaders would have to like, you know, put you somewhere or whatever. So this plays out. Um, is this some of the stuff that you're saying you, you, even when you became a pastor, you couldn't unpack or did things get yeah. even crazier? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, rem- I, like I, I, I went, I went from jail. I mean, I went from juvenile, you know, in and out of juvenile hall for that. Hmm. You know what? If somebody would have just said, this kid's got a drinking problem. He needs some support. He needs some prayer. He needs some hmm. whatever, something, but I just got institutionalized every year. I went back in. And even, you know, um, you know, mm. I, and then I went to jail and mm. then I went in and out of jail. Then I went to prison, you know, so I, 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 I went, you know, through that whole experience. And, you know, like, honestly, if you think about it, if somebody were defending me or if my, you know, if I had money or whatever, like I just got the word we use is railroaded. Right. Yeah. They take this conviction and, and, you know, and you won't do this much time. So they scared me all the time, you know, and I was going in and out. And so that led to my life of being institutionalized. So it's in and out, in and mm. out. Did not know how to cope when I was out. And then I'm fighting all the time, right? I'm constantly getting out. I'm fighting. Yeah. And then you know, one time, you know, I, 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 um, I ended up, you know, fighting with these guys, that, and I didn't know it was that many, but they ended up stabbing me in the kidney. Mm. You know, and I, and you know, I could have died at that. While point. you were inside? No, this is when I was out. This wow. Was, I was at a, a, a drive-in theater, and it was, you know, when you pack your whole car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so you know, that that experience, you know, that those are, you know, it, you know, I'm not glorifying this. I'm I'm sharing this because like a lot of times we go through different things and then we just kind of stuff it down, right? Mm-hmm. We stuff down the pain, right? Yeah. And so so that experience was, you know, it was it was the juvenile hall experience. I was in juvenile hall during the Loma Prieta earthquake. Mm. And it was crazy and I was in lockdown. So they didn't let you out at all. You know, so there's all these these traumatizing things that are happening to me. So you're claustrophobic, locked in a building while the earth is shaking, potentially yeah. falling on your head. Yeah. yeah. So you, you almost couldn't fend for yourself as a kid. Then you get locked up in juvenile and you're thrown in the closet at times or handcuffed yeah. to a bed. So it's almost like, where were you with any of the faith side? Because, of, you know, great grandma's faith. Did you have yeah. any kind of what was God just like, hey, I believe in you, like a lot of gangsters or or gangbangers yeah. or thugs even believe. I believe in God, yeah. grandma's faith, but yeah. you didn't interact in any way with God, right? Well, I had the faith and I had this weird theology, you know what I mean, of God. And, you know, to me, God was like, you know, here's God. Like he's yeah, looking yeah. at the president and the Pope and all mm-hmm. the big time players. But, you know, he says a little angel for me. That was yeah, the yeah. once in a while. Yeah. 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 You know, he doesn't really think about me. I didn't understand that his thoughts for were um towards mm. me were, were daily you know mm. like that if you can count the grains of the sand that's how much yeah. you think about me i didn't i didn't know how much god loved me mm. and so you know so as we're looking at all these things right when i get out i get stabbed you know i nearly i nearly die um stabbing the kidney you know um it was a horrible experience that i again had to stuff down right um yeah and then speaking of faith i went to jail one time right and my uncle, you know, he had been in and out of prison and he he got saved radically and he was ministering to me when I was in jail. I was like, okay, look it, I want an easy way out. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst experience of my life. 
being mm. a Christian in jail. Yeah, I yeah. no longer had my status. You know, I was kind of shot to the curb. You know, which isn't and, normally what happens, though, right? A lot of times, guys go into prison, and if they kind of take the real faith card. They're kind of like off limits, which some guys yeah. do it to cop out because they know how bad it's going to be. Yeah. But because even I think Pete Cropsey, who's a pastor now, you know, he was a Vargos and a member of, you know, deep in yeah. bicycle gangs and all the rest. And he said, man, yeah. when he came to faith, he used to look at people like, oh, you just you just bailed out. You just wanted out of this life and you're pretending. And he said he thought about that, but then he got really saved and it was God for you you said you became a believer and then people kind of look down on you. So then again, you're kind of oppressed in prison or impressed when you get out or what? Well, it's just the, the young people, like I didn't have to program like everyone else. And they just kind of didn't want me. Like they were just like, how you got an easy way out of, you know, this. And mm. I was really, you know, that time I had, I, I, I had been stabbed another time. I got into a fight with a friend of mine. We fought this guy and he had a, he had some sort of weapon he stabbed me all over my arms or mm. like right now, like one of my muscles is severed still. And mm. I can't feel some areas of my arm. It was because of the nerve damage. Yeah. yeah, The nerve damage. Right. And so, you know, I would, I went to jail. I was like, they couldn't even, they couldn't even sew my wounds. They had to, mm. uh, um, you know, put saline water on them and it was open wounds and I was in pain. And, you know, even if I wanted to be in the program with everyone else, I couldn't. But, you know, it was the worst experience. And I remember when I walked out of there, I said, you know, if this is Christianity, I want nothing to do with it, hmm. you know? Hmm. And, and, you know, it was difficult, you know, and, and, and I, I say, I went back out, bought a 40. About this time I was doing PCP, which is angel dust and meth. Hmm. And so moving forward a little bit, you know, when I went to prison, right. I, my brother was fighting in a club and, and I, and, I, and they, they called me outside your brother's out there fighting. And I, and I, and I punched this guy, you know, who was allegedly an off-duty police officer, right? Yeah. And that's when I finally hit the big house, you know. I went to prison. So they put you in prison for that and all the rest. And then, and you've and got enough, they, like you said, of enough of a record. No one's going to yeah. defend you. And here's the sad thing. Inside is some little boy who's like, you know what? You could be saying, why me? You could be saying, I literally got on this train, you know, at the age of four. And your life's just going this way. I can look yeah. back to when I came to America and say, okay, this is when life took a turn. And, and obviously now, you know, things have been positive. But for you, that was it. You go to prison. You've had this kind of faith encounter. Okay, so how do you go from here to leaf blowing, leaf blowing in a church? Yeah, so <laughs> what happened was like now, you know, I'm on parole, right? I'm in and out of the system i get sent to finally somebody says this this guy's got a problem they sent me to rehab i didn't go to the rehab and 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 then you know i i well i actually go to the rehab but i didn't stay in the rehab i mean and i left the rehab and 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 during this time my uncle this is somebody you know my not my uncle but my uncle's telling me hey hey have you ever heard of Simon Woodstock? And, mm -hmm. and just to give you a little bit of my passing, you know this, I skate. I love skateboarding. Yeah. Skateboarding is a huge part of my life since I was young. 12 mm -hmm. years old, a lot of things happened, and one of them was skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And it gave me freedom. I learned how to ollie and, you know, yeah. do a method <laughs> air and all these things off a, off a jump ramp and looking at Steve Caballero and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Christian Asoy and these guys yeah. also in their faith. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I heard, I knew who Simon was because he was local, you know? Yep. And, and I'm like, wait, that dude's a 
pastor at a church, right? Because he was always the guy who was surfing down Wallenberg. I mean, a lot of the people he was around in scantily cad clothes. I think he had a yeah. song, Metal Mom. He was yeah. boxing like professional rappers. Um, and he was just wild, but he was a sweetheart of a man. Yeah. Okay, this guy's becoming a pastor. And he wasn't just a pastor. I mean, he went to seminary on the yeah. Norman Geisler. He's a theology nerd in the right yeah. way. So you're looking at him going, wait a minute, this guy? Okay. I'm, I'm like what the heck? well i gotta check this out right i i i said no no this is and i'm mind you i'm still drinking and partying and i'm still like i'm just using like the i'm trying to go to the church you know mm. so that i don't go back to prison hey like, yeah, let yeah. me let me stay at your church so i go back to prison simon's up there he's got this green furry pulpit with this little light and stuff and he's but he's preaching the gospel and it's mm -hmm. like it's hitting me and mm -hmm. i'm like what is going on here like and so, you know, but still struggling, you know, I, I, um, mm. you know, I go back into the world, you know, and, you know, and, and what happens is during that same time, like, you know, like, um, I, I end up doing drugs and I had to do, uh, I wasn't allowed, you know, of course I couldn't drink or do drugs because of my parole. Right. Mm. And so what happened was I, I end up the night before my, you know, I see my parole officer, I, um, I, 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 I I tried I did some drugs. I'm like, I heard this 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 saying like, hey, if you drink Arm and Hammer, it'll clear your system up, right? So I was like, oh, I'm gonna drink Arm and Hammer. So I drank a ton of it, mm -hmm. and I start throwing up what looks like blood, you know, out, out of the sink, and you know, I'm shaking. Mm -hmm. I'm, I feel like faint, like I'm gonna pass out, and I'm on the floor, and like, and I just said, God, if if you're real, mm -hmm. if you're real, like. I, I, I don't want to, all that time I flirted with death, right? I, mm. I slit my wrist, you know, yeah. I've, 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 you know, I've, I've flirted with suicide, you mm. know, put myself in reckless situations, you know, been stabbed, all these things. I was, I was like, you know, I romanticized death, you know, mm. and, 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 you know, all these times that like, I didn't care whether I lived or died and put myself in situations. Now death was staring me in the eye and I'm like, I want to live. Because you weren't in control. You were trying to be in control of the out-of-controlness of your life prior, but yeah. now this might actually happen. You're like, God, if you're real. And for those listening, theologically, you know, how does God show up and save us? A lot of times you'll hear people say, God, you know, prove to me this, prove to me that, do whatever. Even though we can be all over the map, he's a loving father that will hear the things we say, and he will show himself real in our life. So yeah. there you are, reckless and without hope. Yeah. God, if you're real, eating yeah. arm and hammer, kids, even adults, don't do that. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, and I'm shaking it. And, and you know, I, 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 God immediately delivered me. Mm. I, I was addicted to, you know, meth and, and mm. to drugs and, and drinking. And I immediately was delivered. Like I had a girlfriend. Mm. I am like, I'm done with the girlfriend. I'm done with the drugs. I changed mm. <laughs> that day. Like immediately changed. This is this is heading into the relief. Yeah, I'm having a hard time picturing you. I mean, I'm seeing like you know a smaller version of you without the hair and the glasses, <laughs> fighting people at eight, which is not what you look like, obviously. Yeah. But you change. Something's different. The spiritual compass when the Holy Spirit forgives you and God does a work to those who will listen and saying, "I relate to this story so well." It's not that we go to church. We have a Bible. We know Scripture. It's that the living Christ is inside of us and life can still be messy, but neither Pastor Danny nor me are trying to run off and sneak 40s or go out and hook up with chicks yeah. or go yeah. out and do whatever. I'm saying that in that slang term, 
there's a different moral compass inside now, you know? Yeah. So anyway, you thought you were going to die. Okay. And yeah. And then all that changed. And I, I was like, I never felt so alive in my entire life. Hmm. It was radical. Hmm. I mean, you know, it, I was, I was like, you know, that's a verse now that I think of during the time, you know, it's in Ephesians chapter two, it says, but hmm. God who was rich in his mercy and his great love in which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespass and sin, made us alive together with Christ. And I was alive. Was, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like alive. And, you know, and I never felt in love like I felt that moment, you know. Hmm. I never felt like, you know, I never felt like, hmm. like anybody cared. And I knew at that moment God cared, you know. So you're saying this invisible God who's written all about in historic documents who claims since the foundation of time and beyond, since he began speaking to us, actually scientifically revealed himself through his love, his emotion, his conviction yeah. to you. Yeah. Because that gentleman that I talked to the other day when he said his dad passed, and I pointed to the fact that, you know, God is a father to the fatherless. And I heard someone say the other day, and I said it years ago, maybe they heard it on a podcast as well, yeah. but they, you know, God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. Yeah. And we don't seek God. We don't draw near to God. You know, he begins that work. But even as Pastor Danny is saying to some of you out there, I felt that presence of God in this room beside us. I knew in one instant, there it was. He arrived in my life, whatever he did, however he opened Peter's eyes or this person's yeah. eyes or whoever's listening. So God did that work. You knew, and this is now bigger than your dad. This is bigger than your stepdad. This is yeah. bigger than all your friends. This is God. This happens. Okay, what's next? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you, we look at these things, right? We all experience pain in some way, shape, or form. And pain is real. And yeah. It can't be dismissed, right? It can't be dismissed. Yep. You know, I had to acknowledge that, you know, my pain was real. Mm. I had to acknowledge, you know, and be willing to be, like, you know, that's why I'm sharing it now. Like, yeah. for so many years, Brian, you know, I was a youth pastor. I was a, an assistant pastor, and I even led a church for a few years. Mm. You know, and I started a crisis response ministry for the mayor's gang prevention task force San Jose. Mm. I help families that you know, they, they're they're for youth violence intervention. That's why I got the award from Obama. Yeah. But um, you know, you know, um, you know, I, for many years, right? I try to stuff away. I didn't want to be the uneducated ex-convict. You mm. know, that was all messed up. You know. And, 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 and God started doing a work in my life at that moment. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and he gave me vision and it took time. I'm not, this didn't happen over mm -hmm. days or weeks or even years. It took years before, even when yeah. I became part of the gang task force, you know, um, I was mm -hmm. ordained in 2011, you know, I launched, um, the, the crisis response program for our city in 2012. And that's when mm -hmm. I received the award, you know? And so it took a lot of time. This is from 2003, you know, is when I got yeah. radically saved. And so, you know, and then, mm. you know, 2012 is also when I started the City Peace Project, right? It's yeah. when we work in our community. So we currently work, you know, um, with schools, you know, we, 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 we do social emotional support with, with students. We do gang intervention. And well, make know, sure you tell them this isn't just some like little thing you do at your garage where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I go and hang out and do yeah. a couple things. You have got a massive agenda where you connect yeah. with all kinds of people throughout the city yeah. and you go in and speak and there's a lot of people involved and you're encouraging and you're purposely basically like mentoring and raising up struggling teens just to get yeah. through those years to be yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I work at, I'm at skate parks. I'm working with schools. I'm working with local government. I've been able to travel all around the world by, you know, by God's grace, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, sharing about like, you know, part of, you know, helping the kids out because, you know, like that's the biggest thing right now. I, I had to be real with myself and especially, you know, like mm-hmm. the pain that I went through and it's not easy, Brian, to be real mm-hmm. with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. But I know it's, I want to see the kids healed. And I also want educators and people outside to say, like, you know, these kids are, why are these kids acting out like this? Because we don't know the layers they're dealing with. And so on a daily basis, mm-hmm. I'm out, you know what I mean? Even during COVID, you know, I felt called immediately to help families that were in mm-hmm. crisis and needed food because people lost their jobs. People mm-hmm. lost, you know, um, hours at work, income, right? even lost loved ones. And we wanted to be there to support these families mm-hmm. in the time of need, right? So the City Peace Project, you know, we go out in our in our um, community and, and, and of course we work with students, we help to mentor and, and support the students. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we, we, we also do stuff after school in the community, you know, we have Bible studies. You know, there's a lot of different things that we do in our community, but our focus mm-hmm. is helping our youth, you know, to come out of this, right? Because, you know, um, with social media and all these things that are out there, like everything is exposed now, right? Everything yeah. is out there, right? And even thinking about COVID right now, you know, there's there's people dealing with suicide and drug addiction, and you know, like like they're 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 academically they're they're moving away. And yeah, we 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 work with entire the city, you know, yeah. we work in our entire city, right? We have a staff. We're working with kids every day. We're seeing, you know, one of the schools we work with, you know, at one one point, I think they had 146 suspensions. When we were working with them, not just us, I'm not going to take all the credit, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, in collaboration, it went down to 20 um, um, suspensions, you know? Wow. And so, wow. you know, we're seeing transformation and behavioral change yeah. and people feeling the love, <laughs> you know? And well, so, well, think you about know, this, right? You're saying this. The Bible says he who's forgiven much, loves much. Yeah. And I know the greatest kind of forgiveness is for our sin. But if there's Danny at four, at eight, at 12, and there's a void and we're all born with a void. You know what I mean? I'm thankful, you know, my parents stayed together. My, my mother passed on, but we're always trying to fill something. And as C.S. Lewis has talked about, that something has to be out of this world then yeah. if it's God. So you obviously are just, you've seen the need to fill the void for these Dannys and these yeah. kids that you were. So you've been forgiven. And now you say, I want to go pour this yeah. love into these young men and women. So all you're doing is what God has called you to do. Yeah. All you're doing is using the pain you went through, leading yeah. that to hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're reaching people. So amen. Yeah. So yeah. So we're working, like I said, we're working with schools, you know, during schools, I, I have my, you know, we, we do mentoring, you know, you know, and we do our stuff there. And then, you know, mm-hmm. after school, I do, you know, my, my things. And so, you know, I turn my pain into purpose, but the one thing that I want to just touch on really briefly yeah. is that, you know, what, one thing is that my life was out of balance still, you know, mm-hmm. after, and um, I, I, you know, um, we all need balance. And you know what, like, even though you have like a purpose in your life, you can burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. You now, this is for people that are, you know, in ministry or even, you know, serving, you know, the community as helpers, mm-hmm. right. It's, you know, you have compassion fatigue, you know, you, mm-hmm. you're helping people when you wear compassion fatigue. Yeah. Explain that. So you're saying there's something you're driven by, but yeah. you can be almost so obsessed with it because it's the right thing. Yeah. You can fatigue yourself out where you can't even pour yourself out anymore. Yeah. Whether you're empty to give, you know, and uh, mm. even a nurse at an emergency, because I work, 
with a hospital for youth violence intervention. And, you know, one of the nurses said, you know, the ER, the ER nurses, you know, they go, they see the same people coming in now. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying all nurses, but they say they could become callous or yeah. just like, why is this person back again? And I, I didn't want to get like that, you know, and, and I had to find a way to, I, I, mm. Brian, honestly, I had like a breakdown, you know, where mm. I was just like, you know, I, I needed help, you know, and, uh, and you're saying was, as a pastor, while a, you were pastoring, pouring yourself out, you were almost like, out. yeah, I broke down, you know, mm. and I had like a lot of things that I deal with. And, you mm. know, I, 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 I had to seek counseling, you know, I know yeah. people don't think about, you know, in the church, you know, sometimes people have different views on counseling. I needed counseling, you know, Amen. Um, also we hear that word self-care, right? We think it's yeah. selfish, right? But it's not like Jesus even took the disciples aside to pray. Yeah. And that's something that I had to refocus on is praying and, you know, <laughs> taking walks with my kids and my family and me and my youngest out of my five mm. one skate. So we went, we go skateboarding and I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm finding, you know, a healing part is, and where I find peace is mm. just having that time with myself and my family, you know, and reading. Even Jesus word. withdrew. I mean, you see it and I'll tell you, and um, there's nothing as refreshing for when you get this time alone with God, like, you know, we'll go like, however long we need to, but I, my, in my list for today is like prep the podcast. You know, we, you and I got up like probably 7am. This is early yeah. for skaters yeah. do the podcast. I'm going to go to jujitsu. It's a 20 minute drive. I yeah. might put worship on. I might put a sermon on. I might not. I might just talk to God. I need to relax. Then I'm going to go roll with a bunch of, you know, men, some women for an hour. That's kind of downtime. And that's me. Then I'll come back, meet a guy looking at the roof again. We're getting our roof fixed. And then I'm going to hang out with the family. And then I'm going to start working on some sermons for upcoming and planning a few podcasts, writing the next book I'm doing. But yeah. if I only did the main things all the time, I'd be burned out. You've got to go on your walks. You've got to go on your hikes. And I you say it a lot of stuff. You've got to, because Danny, when we talked the other day, you made the point and I thought it was so relevant. Yes. I was saying, please share. You can get burned out on performance and yeah. it's not that you're lazy. It's not that we get lazy. You need to be able to withdraw and sit with the Lord and refresh. And there was a gentleman you would have known. I mean, Paul Washer, a preacher for years, and he talked about you need to learn to pray with your boots on and your boots off. And he said, when you are doing ministry, you are, you're not performing, but you are, you're pouring yourself out. You must have the same around the mountain circles with the same kids who've like, dad did this, mom did this, someone did this to me. That can get redundant in your head where you're just done. And plus, if you're carrying this weight of who you were, God's redeemed you from that. So yeah, change is good, you know, and also taking the time for yourself. They say 1,200 pastors, I think, stop pastoring a month. Doesn't mean you've got to continue being a pastor, but a lot of that is because pastor will preach the church will throw rocks at a sermon, especially nowadays with cancel culture. I mean, I can only imagine the sermon prior to this that I put on the supernatural. If I went into the comments, how many people are just writing totally negative things based on the way they think I meant this or the way I think I meant that. But for you anyway, you're carrying all this weight. You come to faith. God saves you. You start doing this work. And then you start feeling this. And what did you call it? You called it what? Beginning with a C. Compassion fatigue. So you're yeah, doing the right giving, thing. Giving, yeah. So then how do you navigate through that? You were a pastor. You felt like you had to get some help, counseling, yeah. or just, just. Yeah, I just, yeah. you know, I started to seek support. And, you know, um, you know, um, one of my mentors, uh, my wife's grandfather, he's also a counselor. I didn't actually go to him, but, 
he would just mentor me. And, you know, I just, I, I started to seek just, mm. he was also a pastor that mm-hmm. moved into counseling. So, you know, I, I, I just, I just got support and, you know, like, like, and then also, you know, it, it's not easy because there's a stigmatism for, for pastors or people that need help. Right. And, and you don't want to go. And I was so prideful at some points, like I'm the, I'm the one who's helping people. Why do I need help? Mm-hmm. But if it came to that, that point of tears, you know, cause like even mm. Brian, before we started, I started thinking about all this stuff. Like I don't mm. say this stuff to brag or like, I've been, th- I, there's probably people out there that have been through way worse stuff to me and that have been on your show and other places. Mm. Right. But I say these things because mm. I, I, I want people to know that look at there's layers and layers and layers. And, and for me, God mm. is helping to, you know, he's gentle. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's taking these layers and he's healing me and he's using my work in the community to heal to heal mm-hmm. me and to heal others. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's terrifying to write a book, but, you know, um, yeah. expose yourself, right? I'm exposing things that I've been trying to stuff away for years. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I but, but, you know, I, I know that this mm-hmm. message needs to be heard, right? Because it's not like, yeah. you know, sometimes we'll hear sensationally from somebody who's like a rock star or has been to prison. I wasn't some high level drug yeah. I'm just a normal person. The well, Christ did die for you. And you know what, but you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, not like sometimes we think these, these people have these huge stories. I'm, it's, it's, I'm just a normal person, mm-hmm. you know, that's loved by God. And I'm just like, that's what, that's what I want to mm-hmm. share. And so, you know, you know, if people <laughs> want to learn more about the city peace project, they can check us out at the city peace project.org or mm-hmm. the city peace project on Instagram. And that's basically, so even when we talked the other day, you now are fully focused you know, we chatted what yesterday yeah. and I got done with church and you were driving around with a load of kids. You've been hanging yeah. out with them. Yeah. And so you're living this out. You know, I went last night to a friend's birthday party and I had a buddy Pete Duenas on a few episodes ago and apologetics focus. And I was just even thinking about your story and I was talking to his wife for a moment and I just, you know, she does art and all the rest of it. I just really said, you know, you've had this from what I've known of her story, a traumatic experience in the foster system, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff as a young woman. And she really feels called to use her art as a way to relate to people, which when you walk into a gallery, when you get a piece of art, you almost have to know about the author. And so my encouragement, even to her, because they have, you know, a successful life, things they're doing, beautiful family, was just begin to unpack your story. And I'm probably even going to send her this episode. So if you're listening, Nicole, hey, but my point is to take that story because I can hand you my marriage book, but what's a juvenile delinquent going to do with that? I can talk about the gospel, which is the most important thing, but Pastor Danny or Nicole in that situation can relate in a different way. So pastors, there shouldn't be a shame for what you've carried in the past. You know, we're trying to live in sin and whatever, but we should be able to be open. I've heard of young pastors who've struggled with like pornography or something, and they wouldn't even tell their own leadership because they'll get fired. And I'm thinking like, what are you saying that you're so perfect now that no one struggles? I mean, pride comes in the pulpit and control can come through the pulpit. So there needs to be a humility. And you're not saying don't live above reproach. We want to live in a way that honors God, but you're still going to struggle forward at times. So anyway, you put this book out, Post-Traumatic Quest. Is it to the juvenile? Is it to the struggling pastor? Who who does it reach? So I think it, re- it first of all, it's for the juvenile, right? I think mm-hmm. it's for the youth that I'm working with, right? Because sometimes, like, I remember at one time when I was in juvenile hall and I was, you know, I had a felony charge and I was, I already gave up on my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm never going to get a job. 
Wow. And who's going to want to hire me? And here's, I'm 16. I have my whole life ahead of me. It's for the, the, Crazy. the you know, the person, you know, the, for, for, and the educator, it's for the counselor to yeah. look at it. Right. And also, yeah, there's a pastoral portion mm. in there, you know, where, where I was a pastor and there was a lot of things I was going through mm. and to give people hope, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's just my quest to transcend trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. And you never yeah. know. I mean, you know, a lot of times what happens with guys in your position, you reach a certain age of kids and then suddenly God, when you hit, you know, 50, 55, 60 says, okay, well, now a lot of those kids you've hit, hit, they're young adults now, and they need someone to pastor them. And maybe God yeah. will put you back in the pulpit. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not prophetically saying that, but <laughs> what we're saying is I'm saying that to say the juvenile kid who's 15, 16, hates his dad, or had something crazy happened. Yeah. And if you would have given up, you know, if Nicole would have given up, if I would have given up all these things. Where would we be today? Would we have beautiful families? And, yeah. and our lives can still be traumatic. You know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're still dealing with my wife's mother going through ALS. That's a traumatic experience. Yeah, it is. But I've it's said it often. Food. Yeah, because it, it triggers emotions. We have inbred emotions and so inbuilt emotions. So I've said this often. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Jews yeah. today are still wailing at the wall, you know, waiting for this temple to be rebuilt. And they're coming Messiah who already came, Jesus Christ. The guy with the roof was still telling me about what happened with his dad. You can yeah. only look forward. And like I said to my wife the other day, you know, as sad as what's going on with her mom, there's no closure. There's only an understanding of basically Genesis 3. You know, everyone sinned. Everyone's fallen short. The glory of God was separated from God because of the fall. And you want people to get to know Jesus Christ, go to heaven, spend eternity with him when the new heavens, new earth were built. All we can hope for for my mom when she passed, I believe she knew the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And for my wife's mother is that she will go to be where she's meant to be. Yeah. But in this life, through the Bible, through people like yourself and story and testimony, juveniles and those who are struggling are going to come to know the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ. So post-traumatic quest, where do people get it? Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. So this is a copy of the book here, post-traumatic quest. <laughs> Guys, go on YouTube and, yeah. and listen. Uh, there's never some agenda. This isn't like a machine, a business, but this is a, a man who's lived his life, who wrote this book, post-traumatic quest, like tribe called quest. There you go. There's your rap reference. Yeah. Because it's a quest, right? It's a lifelong thing, right? Yeah. And my quest to transcend trauma, you know, mm-hmm. turn my pain to purpose and mm-hmm. find peace. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think it's just important, Brian, like it's a lifelong thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, the, the, for me, there's a scripture that I think of, right? It says, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Hmm. And that's all I want to do. I want to shine bright. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to shine bright. And um, and I'm so thankful to God, you know, and the one hmm. thing to take off your shoulders is, you know what? If people want to know Christ, that's between them and God. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a messenger. I just want to show love to people. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to help people, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I'll tell you right now, like, you know, when you get to know people on on a, on a different level, you know, you'll start to understand what they like. I'm getting. I, I posted this on my Facebook, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you mean if you want, if they could follow me on Instagram at yeah. Pastor Danny underscore Sanchez. It's what you know, Pastor Danny underscore Sanchez. Yes, and yep. so you know, um, I've got messages from kids that I used to be in my youth group. I used to be a youth pastor saying, "I never knew you were locked up." you're so this or you're so yeah, that you yeah. know, people didn't even know the stuff that I was dealing with. Right. Hmm. And, and the other thing, Brian, is I, I released some music that I wrote in the nineties. Right. And I talk about it in the book, 
but it's actually me in the nineties. I remastered it, right? Mm. The digital, right? And 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 when we were doing the reason I, I did it, not to be some rock star, but to to show people, hey, there was a lot of sadness in these vocals. But I, mm. I, I transcended that and it's called post-traumatic quest. You mm. can find that on Spotify or yeah. Amazon. But you know, um, the reason I, I share all these things is because, you know, um, um mm-hmm. I didn't want to be alive back then, but now I do. I mm-hmm. want to live yeah. and I want to give people hope that there <laughs> you you can get beyond your current circumstance. And I know for some people it's mm-hmm. harder. And I know that, you know, just like me when I was thinking about the stuff before I even got on the show, I was, I was almost in tears thinking, I go, man, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, it, it hurts to think about the past. Yeah. But yeah. You know what? I know my future. Hmm. My, my future looks bright. I have God. Amen. And that's the message we have to preach because I'll say it again. You know, if someone's listening, they're driving across country by themselves. Hey, grandma or someone sent you this sermon, this message interview. They could be thinking of an experience they had and they hate yeah. that experience. They could be, whether it's someone called them names, whether someone touched them, whether someone did whatever, they all exist. And really the only way to challenge things is confront it. I literally... I haven't been on Netflix as much lately, but the other night looked at, it was a Jennifer Aniston and him, Aaron Eckert film, and he's a guru in it. And so I just sat there and watched it. It was a downtime, but at the end of the film, what he's preaching, he has to take his own medicine. Basically, he's telling people how to deal with it, but at the end of the film, he's never dealt with his own trauma. And it's a movie about trauma. I forget the name, but it's worth watching. That's exactly what you're saying. I just preached on even Forrest Gump and how Jenny never dealt with the chaos that happened in her own life because she was throwing rocks. And for those of you, I'll tell you, you're not a coward from facing your challenges. I mean, you're bold. Take it on. Say, this is what happened. This is what I remember. This is the posture. These are the emotions. Write them down. Let them go. Because you've heard the the typical, you know, your mess becomes a message and I didn't have purpose. Now I do. You quoted it to me the other day, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Danny Sanchez was made for a reason. You can either live that out or not. Brian Sumner was made for a reason. Whoever you are, if you're 13, if you're 30, if you're 90, you were made for a reason. And get to know Jesus. Take up your cross. Danny and I, we did wretched, sinful things. Even if Mary Poppins was real, she's definitely sinned. All have sinned. We all need forgiveness. We all need the cross. We all need the shedding of blood. I love what you said, Pastor Danny, when you said that he gave you hope. You encountered the risen Christ that day you knew. You knew that God loved you. He was bigger than everything. Guys, the Bible isn't just a story of rules and telling you how to do this and do that to be religious. It's a rescue mission of the son of God, Jesus Christ, so that Danny and I can become friends and brothers, but ultimately get to know the Lord and escape eternity separated and walk with him. So to get a hold of you, though, you gave us your Instagram. Guys, please go and message him online. He will yeah. respond. I love when people message me because one episode, just the one episode that was made for them, reach them and go and check up on all the things he's doing. And any closing thoughts? We did pretty good on time today. Yeah. So, you know, I want to just say this, you know, like, you know, you're, 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 it's never hopeless for you. You always, mm. you know, while you still have breath and life in you, there's Amen. hope, right? And, you know, there's, there's, you know, don't think your problem is, is, you know, too little or too big. Mm. You know, I, as I, as I, like I said right now, like I, I, I wasn't some, some gang 
you know, prison lord, you know, like, yeah. you know, leader or, some, you know, or, or drug lord. I was just a guy that had a lot of problems and, you know, and I didn't think wow. they were worthy of anybody loving me, you know, and I want to tell mm. you, you are loved. Whoever's listening, you matter. You, you, you are so important. Mm. Your life matters. You're, you're, you matter to you, to not only to your family, but to your mm. friends and your community. And I want to just, just, I hope this gets in your heart. Like they, mm. you are valuable and you are lovable because you are a human being mm. and you were created with a purpose. Amen. And I want to just remind people that, you know, message me, I will get back to you. You know, you are loved. I, I, mm. I would, you know, and, and, you know, um, I just want to share that 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 message of just hope, right? Mm. And you know, you, we're all on our quest, right? And you know, I want to just thank you, Brian, for allowing me to be on the show and and Amen. And, and share my story. And you know, like I, I peeled back a few layers, and yeah, look, it still gets emotional to me. <laughs> you know, it's still shouldn't it's still, it though? Yeah, it's your life. Yeah, yeah, it should. And, and I'm getting yeah. emotional thinking that Colossians says all things are made by him, for him, through him. I mean, you felt love while punching someone and being affirmed by people that weren't even family. These people who are listening, Pastor Danny will message you back, message me, I'll connect you guys. Um, Life's crazy, but God made you to walk with him. Even for my own kids who were once passed out over here on the couch, apparently my daughter, the idea that they could be without me and struggling and facing this makes you want to just burst in the room and hug them. But I want to do that for any kid. You want to do that for any youth or juvenile, because like I said, stop trying to make life so perfect. It's not going to happen this side of eternity where you are. I love that picture of, you know, it was the the donkey that the owner disowned and he put him in the hole. And as he began to pour the dirt on him, he was so stubborn. He just stamped his feet down eventually he made his way out of the hole because he kept stamping all the stuff that was being poured upon him yeah. out. I mean, Christ redeems us and we keep going. So amen. But Pastor Danny, before we go, would you just pray us out and just pray sure. to pray to that kid that's, you know, he's in that jail cell or he's a juvenile or that girl that just hates her life and she's cutting. Yeah. Just just be thinking about hope for them yeah. as we pray to Christ. Yeah. yeah. Before we pray really quick, I just want to let you know that we're we are we that you bring that up. We're giving every every um, every incarcerated youth in Santa Clara County um, a copy of our book for free. Mm. We want to we want to get this message out because it's for them, you know, not just for them, but also we're going to get it into you know uh, the hands of other people. Mm. But I'm going to pray you out. But I I'm, I'm thinking about <laughs> like you know one, one more thing before we pray is that you know <laughs> when I was a little boy, you know when I was a little boy, you know I I I, I just like every little boy, right? And I wanted to help people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a firefighter, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who can help others, but you know what, somewhere between being a child and, and, and facing my traumas, those dreams are gone, but God, God brought them back to life. And I, when my prayer is yes, that God mm-hmm. will inspire you to live out your, your purpose and your dreams. Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, yes, Lord. we just thank you so much, God, for yes, God. your love. It's greater than we can imagine, God. Yes, Jesus. I pray for those, Lord, and whether they're um, mm. lower socioeconomical, you know, living in poverty or or incarcerated, or maybe they seem what they're doing okay on the outside, mm. their family's okay, but they're hurting inside. I just want to pray, yes, Lord, God. that you would just reach each and every child, Lord God, and let them know that they have a purpose in life and that they are loved and they matter, Lord God. Mm. And I pray, God, that you would bless um, 
um, Brian's ministry and that you would continue to help us to reach those Absolutely. who need good news, Lord God, who need mm-hmm. love, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, that um, that you would send people to support those youth, Lord God, that are headed in a direction that's not healthy mm. for them, Lord, and that can destroy their lives, Lord. And just mm-hmm. like me, give them hope. In <laughs> Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, brother, you might not be a doctor or a lawyer, but you're called to do what God's called you to do. And a lady on one of our Zooms the other day says, you know, I'm not a minister. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm working at this place. You know, what do I do? Well, you do you. You live out the gospel. You live out Christ. And here's what's amazing as you were saying this. You were talking about giving out those books. So what you're saying is when you're 69, you're probably going to run into people who read your book in juvenile hall, who might be doctors, who might be lawyers, who most importantly, regardless of that, I'm just saying that because that's what you said, but who know Jesus Christ and who are going to go on and do things. Listen to those who are 16 to 20. I say it so much. The stuff you are going through now will not marry, will not marry, will not matter once you are married, once you're out of school, once you've gone on. All the stuff you're facing from the ages of 12 to say 18, 19, 21, that can be the chaos years. You've got hormones, you've got puberty, you've got life, you've got the world speaking to you. Get to know God, message us, reach out. And guys, Paul wrote to the church and told them in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us, meaning to myself and Pastor Danny, it's the power of God on the salvation. So guys, we love you. God bless you. Any closing thoughts, Pastor? Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, again, here's our book, Post Traumatic Quest. Mm. Uh, you know, I just want to thank you all for your love and support, you know, mm. the people that are out there. And, um, and you know what? You are loved. Amen. And pray for Pastor Danny. Pray for the weight we can carry. Pray for the spiritual strongholds to try and take our minds captive. Pray for the enemy's attacks. God bless you all. Amen. Amen.